0: Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the ACTUS podcast, Talking CDI, the nation's only program dedicated to the clinical documentation integrity profession. Today's featured ACTUS solution is the 2020 ACTUS Conference, which will take place May 5th through 8th at the Mirage Hotel in Las Vegas. Look at that beautiful picture there on your screen. With six educational tracks, inspirational keynotes, and unparalleled networking, you won't want to miss our lucky 13th event. If you register by March 27th, you'll get the early bird discount rate, which is our best rate, so don't hesitate. If you're on the fence, I hope to uh, push you off that fence and get you to our 13th conference. So the Actus Podcast is a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and ACTIS. Today, Wednesday, January 15th, marks our 141st program. So again, my name is Brian Murphy, Director of ACTIS, the Association of Clinical Documentation Integrity Specialists, and I'm your host for today's program, Career Opportunities and Challenges. I'm joined today by my familiar co host at the left of your screen, Laurie Prescott. Laurie is the CDI Education Director for us here at Actus in Middleton, Mass. She's the developer and lead instructor for the Actus Bootcamp line and is an Actus subject matter expert. She's a former CDI manager and nursing manager, experience in a number of uh, uh, surgical lines, med surge, ICU, PACU, endoscopy. Uh, recently authored a new book for us, the Actus Pocket Guide, as well as our new bootcamp course, Clinical Validation in CDI, and I'm thrilled to have her back on the show. So welcome, Laurie.
1: Hey, thanks, Brian.
0: Okay. Next, I'd like to introduce our special guest today, his first appearance on the podcast. We have with us Justin Satterfield. Uh, Justin is the founder and president of Norwood Staffing Solutions, a company solely dedicated to serving HIM and CDI professionals. Justin and his team have placed hundreds of CDI professionals in both project-based and permanent opportunities across the nation, ranging from small community-based hospitals to the largest healthcare systems in the nation. Um, One of the the many reasons why I like Justin is that he's very passionately involved in the industry. He's been speaking uh, one-on-one with CDI leadership daily for the last six-plus years. Uh, knows a lot about the profession, not just about the staffing side, but about its unique opportunities and challenges. Uh, he's an impressive guy. He launched his own company in 2016 as a solo entrepreneur, where he became heavily involved with boots on the ground recruiting for CDI professionals. Got a chance to talk with Justin quite a bit at our Actus symposium this past November, and uh, this is how the show materialized. And I'm thrilled to have him on. So welcome, Justin.
2: Thanks, Brian. Uh, Appreciate you having me on. Uh, Always happy
0: to contribute to the CEI community. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, we're (laughs) going to start with a uh, question, as we always do, a poll question related to today's topic. Go ahead and pull that up. That should be coming visible about now. So the question reads, what is your primary mechanism for exploring employment or growth opportunities? You use, for example, LinkedIn, our own Actus Career Center, available on actus.org, uh, Monster, which is probably maybe a little dated, but other national job boards out there, uh, maybe informal networking, emails, calls, that type of stuff, or uh, not applicable, you're very, very content in your current position. Again, what's your primary mechanism, if any, for exploring? Employment or growth opportunities. And again, your options are LinkedIn, Actus Career Center, Monster, or other national job boards, informal networking, or not applicable. You know, as I, I this particular platform only allows me five poll options, but if you do have something that's not listed here, uh, go ahead and send that to uh, to me in a chat. Uh, the, the message portal here on your on the platform. I'd love to hear any other thoughts you might have about exploring employment or growth opportunities in the CDI profession. All right, we've got about, about 80% of our audience has voted, so I'm going to go ahead, and close the poll out, and we will always do come back to the results in just a few minutes after our discussion with Justin. So again, I meant, as I mentioned, Justin's our guest today. Justin, welcome to the show and thanks for being a part of the podcast. Um, oh, appreciate it, Brian. Yeah. So I thought we could start with just a little bit about yourself. Again, I, I mentioned how I spoke to you at the symposium and uh, you're an impressive guy. So maybe you could talk a little bit about how you got into staffing first and then into CDI and, and, and now you're uh, into your own staffing business.
2: Yeah, of course. Uh, so I recently did a podcast on my entrepreneurial journey and philosophy. So if you have any interest, you can find that on my LinkedIn page. So I'll be brief here, but grew up in a small town in Arkansas, graduated with a degree in entrepreneurship, uh, moved to the big city with the goal of finding employment with a startup. And I just so happened to be a staffing company. So got my start there and then moved to a larger company where I was a key contributor and building out their HIM program. Uh, you know, I've been genuinely interested in the CDI space specifically from the beginning, and that has really flourished into a passion over the years. Um, you know, the industry growth, the complexities, the overall purpose CDI serves and where things are going is just very exciting. Um, so yeah, at the ripe old age of 26, I decided to start my own company, bootstrap the whole thing from the ground up. I couldn't be more proud of my team and what we've accomplished in such a short amount of time. Uh, never been more excited about my own career personally, which definitely fuels me to help others advance their careers. But I digress, Brian. Let's talk to the Yeah, no, that's <laughs> that's that's
0: really cool. And again, I'm uh, anyone who starts up their own their own business gets my uh, gets my appreciation. That's that that's not an easy thing to do. Going out way out on a branch there,
1: especially at the ripe old age of twenty six. <laughs> So,
0: I thought
1: you enjoyed that. Yeah, so Justin it did. It stung and it stung even more for me, Brian, than yeah, it did for yeah, you. Yeah. But um I I do I do appreciate that. But you know, yeah, let's talk CDI. So you know, what I um love about you is your enthusiasm, having never worked in the role. Um, but you know, we're we're waiting for the answers to our poll question, but I I'm just kinda you know, I think you've kind of got your um, fingers on the pulse of the CDI profession, and just want to know your impressions of what the landscape is out there. Um, where are the opportunities? What are people looking for um, in a skill set or background when they're hiring? Um, you know, personality traits that they look for when they're hiring CDIs. What are you finding is in demand, or what are people looking for for that role?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I and mean, the job market overall for CDI professionals is very healthy and getting increasingly competitive. You know, there are far more jobs out there than experienced CDI. So we have a legitimate talent shortage in this industry. You know, just in the last five years, it's been incredible to watch teams grow from, you know, one to seven or five to 25 FTEs. You know, the growth of the industry from a needs perspective is certainly outpacing the growth of new CDI professionals. You know, in regard to skill sets and backgrounds, you know, we're seeing a much-needed shift towards diverse backgrounds being accepted. You know, RNs are still the most requested, but you are seeing a lot more programs on board, HIN professionals and other clinicians. Um, okay. Personality traits, you know, let's get real here, right? provider reports and art, right? Uh, but in a traditional sense, you know, the personality aspect is still very important, but I think we will continue to see a shift in that arena as well as, CDI programs evolved towards CDI educators and remote staff, you know, personality plays less of a factor in your job in um, it's straight production based on remote, remote capacity. Um, but yeah, I believe we'll discuss more about actual open job opportunities uh, here in a bit.
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah. You know, speaking of opportunities, Justin, um, I, I know the CDI, I, I've seen the, this profession uh, evolved quite a bit since 2007 when I got involved with, with Actis. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it it always, of course, has been traditional inpatient, and I know that's still a super strong area, but uh, from what you're seeing in your conversations with CDI managers, directors, is there a need for like specialty reviewers? For example, we're starting to see, um, Folks that are maybe CDI2, where they're charged with, like, doing mortality reviews. Um, we're seeing expansion into pediatrics. And, of course, the big one, uh, outpatient CDI. Um, so curious about that. And to kind of tag on to that, um, a lot of the platforms are getting much more sophisticated uh, Obviously, big EHRs like Epic, um, not to mention CDI specific specific vendor platforms, are our hospitals looking at candidates that have experience with these programs as well? Um, so, just curious, what, what what again, where where some of the opportunities are for folks?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll dive into that. So, <clears throat> opportunities in the field are still heavy on the tra- traditional inpatient side of things, but uh, this will change in due time. You know, for the most part, specification is more geared towards what size facilities you've worked at, trauma levels, teaching experience, those sort of things. You know, it's rare to see specialty requests such as PEDS outside of a specialty hospital. I think this, again, you know, this will rise as CDI programs mature uh, in their due time as well. But outpatient CDI, certainly an exciting arena. You know, the big question out there right now is when should I start an outpatient CDI program? You know, the answer to that is where are you out optimizing your traditional inpatient? You know, talking to CDI leadership every day, it's interesting to see the vast discrepancy and where programs are really at after you dive into the details. You know, I think most programs still have legwork to do on the inpatient side before exploring these other opportunities and areas. Uh, You know, I think most facilities are really possibly two to three years out from exploring outpatient, but I'm definitely starting to see an increase in outpatient CDI jobs out there. You know, mainly from larger health systems, but I think the expansion of outpatient CDI is inevitable for a, a really a key reason. You know, over the next decade, inpatient charges are expected to see a 2% decrease while outpatient volumes will likely grow 15%. I mean, the sheer volume and increasing complexities will drive that market. Um, in regards to requests for expertise on specific platforms or EMRs, you know, this is not particularly relevant at this time. You know, is there opportunity? Sure. But from a client perspective, it's too difficult to attract talented CDI professionals as it is and to require certain systems experience should remain preferential. You know, however, you know, a CDI professional that's an SME on a specific technology platform is certainly a value add and will increase their marketability. Um, you know, as we inevitably align more with technology, the value will increase there. Um, but not particularly relevant, uh, currently. Um, as far as the opportunities I'm really seeing, Kind of expand one outpatient CDI, which we discussed, uh, to CDI educators. You know, everyone should be entertaining the idea of dedicated CDI educators if you don't already have one. You know, the justification is simply to meet the demand of the evolving role of a CDI, right? I mean, current queries for clinical validation, regulatory changes, evolving coding guidelines, denial prevention, hacks, PSIs, risk adjustment models. I mean, the list goes on, but you know, in essence, the overall expansion and restructuring of how departments function is driving this as well as the need to uh, have an in-depth understanding of the shift from fee-for-service to value-based care and pay-for-performance. You know, we need standardized and uniform education across all departments to ensure compliance. And you know, we're not just educating CDI providers anymore, right, I mean coders, administration, compliant, ancillary staff, you know, we need dedicated professionals that are responsible for education across the board. Um, and the third one that I'm really seeing a big shift is remote CDI. You know, I'm mostly seeing partial remote opportunities versus fully remote. Uh, but I think that'll evolve as well. You know, if you are offering partial remote, that's fantastic, but you still have a limited talent pool when you can only source locally. You know, if you can have 100% remote staff and recruit at the national level, it's an absolute game changer. Um, you know, and the same thing that I I see happening, uh, in CDI that happened in coding, right? Coders used to be on site. What happened? Well, consulting staffing companies started offering remote work. Hospitals had to adapt to retain talent coupled with technological advances and growing demand. You know, the same thing's happening here, um, and I, already, I do already know the gut reaction, right, Justin? Hello, rounding. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. Uh, but you know, let's make that conversation back into dedicated you know, in CI educators. I, I support a mixed model where you have on-site staff for education and 100% remote CDI. I think on-site staff should get paid more. Call them leads. Call them educators. You know, they're your specialists. But I can point to a number of health systems who have been very successful successful adopting this model. and I believe hospitals that don't progress towards a more remote model will eventually be forced to simply from a retention perspective. You know, do you have any remote jobs? Is hands down the number one question I get asked from CDI professionals all the time. All right.
1: I'm just giggling because earlier you said personality wasn't important with your remote staff. So I'm thinking all those people out there that don't have a personality want to work remotely. I'm joking. <laughs> I am joking for all, all our, re, our employee our people that are listening that are remote. Mari,
0: um, <laughs> you're remote, but I'm, 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 that's as far, I, as far as I'll go with that.
1: Are, okay. You're not going <laughs> to make any comments about my personality, but uh, <laughs> I, I do love that, you know, you're speaking about how CDI is evolving and changing and and one question I get very frequently from people that have been in the role for years is what's going to happen to us in the future um, with regulatory changes, technology, with artificial intelligence and all the programs that are out there. Um, you know, the OIG is looking at us even closer in the functions of CDI. Is there a future for CDI? And, you know, I get that question and I kind of giggle to myself because I do believe <laughs> there do is I. a future. I do believe there's a huge future, but I can't tell you what it's going to be like 10 years from now. But <laughs> what it, what do you see as threats to our industry or, or perhaps let's flip that. What do you see as strengths for us?
2: Yeah, no, uh, you know, yeah, we're doomed, Lori. Absolutely doomed. Um, no. I, you know, I think CDI is going to change in the next 10 years more than it's changed, uh, in, in its history. Um, you know, as far as threats I and mean, regulatory changes and OIG scrutiny are certainly threats from a financial standpoint for health systems. I mean, if you think a compliance is expensive, try non-compliance, right? Uh, but from a staffing perspective, I think these governing bodies will only expand the market and force health systems to invest more into CDI education, CDI auditors, third party CDI audits, you know, the pressure to optimize reimbursement while avoiding fraudulent billing is only going to increase. So I think it's actually a strength, you know, that it is going to, uh, increase the expansion of CDI. You know, I mean, medical necessity, billing for services not rendered, unbundling, falsifying records, failure report overpayment, obviously questionable queries. We all know the target areas there. Um, and I've also read articles recently about older software and non-compliant EMRs causing major issues. I mean, and you're right, the OIG work plan, I mean, it spells it out, you know, I think they'd barely scratch the surface as it pertains to CDI, and the fact of the matter is best, best practices in traditional inpatient CDI are well established, and I think forgiveness will be hard to come by. Um, one thing I will add to that too is, you know, I'm privy to a lot of confidential information and from a compliance perspective, it's kind of scary out there. Um, and you know, on top of that, fraud cases are very profitable for the U.S. government. They make $4.20 for every dollar spent. And Brian was actually able to get an OIG official to speak at the outpatient symposium. I think he resided over 35 ongoing investigations for Medicare Advantage. And Medicare Advantage has obviously had huge growth, uh, over the past decade, and they expect to hit 40% of the market. And I was out in the hall with a few others after the presentation. and the conversation continued and the question was posed you know with the increase in enrollment will there be an increase in audits and his answer was well naturally yes <laughs> um so i'll leave that there um technology um technology is the disruption factor uh but i don't view technology as a threat in the foreseeable future i'm certainly not a tech expert uh, but i do read about technology and healthcare on a daily basis i think it's important to pay attention uh, also, have a lot of friends that work for AI or blockchain-powered health healthcare technology vendors. So, and I've actually asked the question point blank many times: Will AI reduce staffing needs in CBI? And the answer has always been no. You know, not for the foreseeable future. And so, as of now, I think technological advances are a wonderful tool that will allow us to uh, for this industry to progress more quickly. You know, data is king. I mean, data surpassing oil and gas is the most viable industry in the world in 2018 so we've gotten really good at collecting data but we still have a long road ahead when it comes to optimizing that data you know, the ai tools that are currently on the market are great uh, but data without discretion is destruction the human intervention is critical if ai were ever going to advance to a degree that it takes over traditional functions and cdi i think we we'll, we would see it coming and evolve um ai is making strides on its ability to code accurately accurately but I and mean, CDI is quite the stretch from, uh, churning out the mandatory charts. <laughs> um, right. you know, and well, the, in regards to technology, I think one more interesting conversations right now is, um, you know, big data companies trying to capture the $3.5 trillion market. You know, we just saw Project Nightingale involving attention and Google. It's been interesting to follow, you know, 84% mm. of Fortune 50s are entering the healthcare space. Now they want our data and at what price or competitive advantage will healthcare systems share that data? Uh, I think that's going to be really uh, interesting to watch.
1: Ah, that is an interesting thought. Yeah. Well, thank you. So I've, I will still have employment in years to come.
2: Because yeah.
1: Brian doesn't like my personality. More employment. So.
2: <laughs> oh, come on. Now you're projecting. More employment. More employment. <laughs> more employment. Yeah. I've always we, thought. We need more CDI.
0: I have thoughts on the AI question, too, and they're, they're getting, they are getting better. But I, I think if we're ever at the point where AI is actually – deducing what's going on with the patient from the record and, and that would bypass the physician. And, and we have a whole other issue. Um, and now we're into the, you know, the, the post work phase for everybody. So I, I, and, and I agree from what I've seen right now, it's, we're not close to that. And, um, right. I like your comments just about, it can gather data, but what do you make with that data? It's a, it's a very valid point. Exactly. Yeah. So I, uh, I want to wrap up here with just a brief discussion, although I know you could probably spend an hour on this, Justin, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, so we have, I've gotten some comments throughout. Some people say they're very happy in their professions. Others have questions about potential opportunities. So if there is a listener out there looking to make themselves more marketable, pursue a new opportunity in 2020, you know, even if maybe that means they'll staying in their own facility even, but moving into a management position or to, you know, a sister hospital, part of their organization to help get CDI off the ground. Do you have any recommendations for them in terms of, you know, their resume, social media, brand building, which is becoming a bigger thing, getting themselves out there, any skills to develop, or uh, even any interview behaviors or techniques they might want to consider, Justin, from what
2: you've seen? (laughs) Brian, you're killing me. I, you know, I might have one or two <laughs> suggestions here. Um, yeah. but I know we're running short on time, so I'll try to hit some high points. Okay. Um, marketability. You know, let's start there. Cdi professionals need to leverage and expand their skill set to play a broader role within their organization. You know, the days of siloed Cdi departments are gone. You know, a successful Cdi program must develop strong and collaborative relationships across departments, and the Cdi need to respectfully adapt to Becoming more cross-functional, you know, and, and that really involves embracing technology. You know, be the SME of that new CDI platform scheduled for a go-live. You know, you want to align yourself with technology and become a super user. Um, in regards to, you know, certifications, you know, get your CCDS if you don't have it. Uh, we definitely need a lot more people getting CCDSOs. You know, there's already a talent gap in that market, which will expand quickly. So. You can make yourself very marketable here. You know, if you gain experience in the outpatient arena now, obtain your CCDSO, have a few years under of experience under your belt as these lar- large majority of programs start rolling things out, you'll be very marketable for us, you know, either get into a permanent leadership position or consulting implementations. Um, I definitely recommend all CEI get a coding certification. Um, and also, you know, in regards to our conversation about the OIG, I think getting a compliance cert is interesting as well, something I rarely see. Um, as far as, uh, you know, expanding your career too, you know, make career moves over money moves. One thing I see too often is people pass up our opportunity for 5k, you know, this, this industry is expanding so much. You need to be choosing the career path that you want and where you want your career to go, uh, versus just making a, a financial decision. Um, so I would definitely advise that, uh, get involved with ACTUS. you know, your local chapter, grow your personal network. And stay in touch with people you've worked with um, you know your personal network will get you places and that includes recruiters that you trust uh, so getting involved and in networking is critical for your career uh, the more flexible you can be the better you know if you can relocate then the doors will really open up uh leadership and, and internal promotion is always going to be preferential route to management in most case scenarios you're looking at a lateral move position wise if you go to another organization you know, but, but there's no leadership position at your facility, right? But give them a reason to create one or lose you. You know, if you're the super user on tech, if you're the person always educating coworkers on the latest industry developments, so if you're your director's go-to person for projects, like that's the ticket. Um, resumes, I'll leave you with my number one tip, have one. Um, but Justin, I'm not looking right now. Perfect. Those are the can't tell systems pay recruiters a lot of money to find. You know, I've seen too many people miss out on opportunities simply because they didn't have a resume repaired. You know, Johnny's got a football game on Friday, we got to go to mom's this weekend, we got to go live next week, you know, a week and a half later, well, that job's filled. And the fact that your career didn't progress simply because you didn't have a resume prepared is a pretty poor excuse. Um, LinkedIn, I'll end it with uh, with this. LinkedIn, you should spend more time on your LinkedIn profile than your resume. And yeah, you heard me correctly. You know, your resume is a ticket to an interview, but your LinkedIn profile, that's your business profile to the world. And it's a powerful tool for recruiters you know, how LinkedIn recruiter works on the back end. We, do, we pay a lot of money for LinkedIn recruiter and I can see, you know, who's opened opportunities, where you're open to relocation to, um, you know, it, it's incredibly valuable. Uh, and you need to make sure your LinkedIn profile is complete because the way it's optimized and LinkedIn search results, uh, you'll climb to the top. So make sure you have that filled out completely and optimize that. You know, I actually have clients that look at LinkedIn profiles before they even decide to interview someone, so if you don't have one, get one. If you have one, make sure it's completely filled out.
0: Great stuff. Nice. And thanks for the uh, plug for Actus, Justin. The uh, the checks in the mail for me. <laughs> I thought you'd like it, Brian. <laughs> I, I accept commission always. <laughs> All
1: right.
0: <laughs> All right. Let's um, let's go back to our poll question. Thanks again, Justin, for the great interview today. So. We asked folks uh, what their primary mechanism is for exploring employment or growth opportunities. So, our majority, 42%, are are very content in their current position. So, they're currently not looking. So, that's that's a good sign. But of those that are, uh, good, good yeah. news for me, Brian. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I mean, people got to pay me to find them.
0: That's right. Uh, 21% do use LinkedIn, Justin. So that's the that's the primary medium for for uh, Research and Growth Opportunities followed by uh, Informal Networking, 14%, 12% Monster, other national job board, and 10% use our uh, Actus Career Center. So curious, any, any thoughts on the poll here, Justin?
2: Um, not surprised at all. Uh, <clears throat> I'd like to see LinkedIn go up more. I think that's the best one as well as Informal Networking. Those two should be leading, but I think very content in current positions should be the outstanding leader here and i believe that's very accurate yep what do you think laurie any thoughts
1: um not really on this but i just want to reiterate what justin said about don't just choose for the money choose what's going to drive your career because i think a lot of people make mistakes when they're looking for jobs because they don't Prioritize correctly what, what it, exactly they need. So when you said that, I was in the background raising my fist and saying yay. So I'm just
0: yeah, going. I love that Heated comment. Yep. All right. Well, let's, we've only got a few minutes left, so let's do a quick in the news here. Uh, in the news is a regular segment featuring the latest news and industry updates relevant to the CDI profession. Today, I'm just going to quickly highlight a story um, on the American Medical Association or AMA website. Uh, called AMA Issues Checklist for the Transition to E&M Office Visit Changes. So you can read the story here. I, as I always do, we'll share the links uh, in the show notes. Uh, in summary, starting January 1st, 2021, so about, you know, a little less than a year, we're going to see some very big changes to the documentation requirements for evaluation and management codes, or E&M codes, which are used by providers to bill Medicare and other payers for their professional fees, including office visits. According to this article, these account for nearly 23 billion in annual Medicare spending. Um, For those that do know E&M, we probably know that they've been largely unchanged since the 95, 97 guidelines that have been kicking around for a long time, but in the last year, the AMA has worked to reduce the documentation burden they impose sort of aligning with the Patients Over Paperwork initiative as mandated by the Trump administration. Um, So this article outlines what these changes are, and it's it's actually quite extensive. So they're going to be um, eliminating history and physical exam as elements for code selection, The AMA notes that while significant to both visit time and medical decision-making, these elements alone should not determine a visit's code level. They worked with specialty societies to come up with these, uh, but they're gonna allow physicians to choose whether their documentation is based on uh, either medical decision-making, MDM, or total time. Um, Again, building on the movement to better recognize the work involved in non-face-to-face services like care coordination, They're going to modify the MDM criteria to move away from simply adding up tasks um, instead focusing on tasks that affect the management of a patient's condition. So a nice summary here. They've also, this article is great. It's got a number of, um, it's a 10 point checklist with a number of links that are designed to help physician practices for a few, for a smooth transition to this, um, to these new guidelines. They've got a, a link here for, for physicians, um, actually a nice uh, video to watch here. You can check out on what these changes are. So I know that E&M isn't always in the CDI wheelhouse, but obviously extremely important for the physician's professional billing, for those that aren't directly employed by the hospital, and, and uh, something that CDI can certainly use for for provider buy-in when they're out there on the floors. Um, or, or even remote, you know, doing messaging. So just curious, Laurie, maybe I, have you any, any thoughts on this particular uh, article and what it means for CDI professionals? I know you kind of teach these as part of some of our boot camps.
1: Um, I think knowledge for CDI of EM, E&M principles is really important. You don't necessarily have to become an E&M coder, but you should understand the basics because in your conversations with physicians, you can reinforce that. And, you know, I'm excited about the changes because I think anything that would um, help simplify the process so that physicians can concentrate on their patients more. Um, Mm -hmm. I, you know, have watched physicians for years count on their fingers to figure out the level (laughs) that their basement is to be assigned for E&M, which is kind of a crazy practice. But I do want people to understand when your physicians go yay it's going to be simpler I only have to worry about time etc their notes still need to support their levels so their notes still need to support the complexity that patient brings to the table um, so it doesn't mean that they have that their documentation practices can get more lax. They're, they're still going to have to write strong documentation that supports the basis of the care that they're providing. Um, so right. they, this isn't that that's I think what CDIs need to stress is yes there are changes coming that may simplify it for you but you still have to focus on describing that patient to their true level of complexity. So there's work for us.
0: Yeah that's a good point. You know it's that that's not going kind to of- this is for the level selection it's not going to replace uh, support of that level the documentation still has to be there but it's really correct. yeah helping the physician select the select the correct level of service any thoughts justin from your perspective on this
2: and you know well Brian, uh from my strong clinical background coupled with my <laughs> hands-on you know, coding experience uh i'm going to I'm going to Laurie on this topic just uh her
0: be <laughs> yeah Laurie's our, Laurie's our resident e resident m expert among other things
1: oh no 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 no, no I'll not, that I'm not one. trying to compete with that
0: <laughs> right I'm not trying to compete with that <laughs> all right well let's just do a quick uh, actus update then to kind of wrap things up um so for those that might be interested in getting a little more involved with actus this year maybe as part of a 2020 resolution uh, we wanted to let you know that we have opened up a call for volunteers to serve on some boards and committees. We actually have four of them open right now. I'm showing on your screen a link to the application. This is available on actus.org. As I always do, though, I will link to this in the show notes. So, um, But essentially, we're looking for applicants for, uh, again, one of four boards. These include our Actus Advisory Board which is our top leadership board. They provide an industry voice for the membership, uh, develop white papers, position papers, serve on our quarterly calls, very important role. Um, We're also looking for volunteers for our planning board for our outpatient um, CDI symposium, ACTA symposium. They select all our speakers and sessions for our 2020 event. We're talking about that on today's program. Uh, Our chapter advisory board, these are liaisons that um, Interface with us between our local chapter leaders and our ACTUS national administration. Provide uh, best practice on calls, guidance to leaders across the country. And finally, our CCDS certification committee. So, if you're interested in helping us update that exam, maintain and develop our prerequisites, make some tough uh, eligibility determinations, those type of things, we'd love to have you apply. So. Um, Check out our Boards and Committees page on the ACTUS website to learn more and apply today. Uh, This this will remain open through the end of the month. And if you do have any questions, uh, I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email and uh, I'd either answer it myself or have one of my uh, awesome team take a look at that and get get your question answered before you apply. There's no better time than now and opportunity awaits. Um, Finally, I just wanted to mention, if you haven't taken our Actis membership survey today, please do so. This helps uh, us make Actis the best association it can be. We really do look at these survey results closely, and it helps shape our offering for the year. We've added benefits. We've revamped our website with some changes based on what you guys put in this survey. Frankly, if you're not a member, we have an option in here where um, we are looking for non-members to weigh in on the survey in terms of what would make membership more beneficial for them. So regardless if you're a member or not, please go ahead and take that survey. Okay. Well, that is going to do it for today's uh, edition of the Actus Podcast. We're going to be back here again in two weeks for our next show, which is uh, Listener Mailbag, Pressure, Ulcers, and Injuries. Doesn't that show just roll off the tongue there? But these are questions we've received from our listeners. Uh, we got a couple really long, meaty questions that came in based on what I asked for at the end of, end of 2019, and we're going to have a show on that topic. So a um, couple of our boot camp instructors will be on to help take some of these questions on. Um, as a reminder, you can listen to our show recordings anytime on our website or via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify recordings are available the Friday following the live show, so we'll have the show up posted Friday. And all the links, again, will be uh, available on the show page at actus.org and also in the show notes on your podcast player. We are going to wrap up now. So, again, I want to thank Justin. Awesome job today, Justin, for coming on and sharing your insight and perspectives. And uh, thanks, thanks as always, Laurie, for the rest of it's you. Time. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Happy uh, contribute, Brian. Thank you. We'll see you back here in two weeks, everyone. Take care.